Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Sunay, do you think Wes Anderson is on set or at the writing table? And he's like, okay, now I'm going to do a Wes Anderson shot. <laughs> does he realize he's doing it or does he just do it? Hmm, interesting question. I guess it depends how aware he is of his own process. Mm. I think he'd just do it and people would know what he's doing. Mm. Do you think that's like a direction he gives? He's like, I want to be a bit more Wes Anderson than me. <laughs> so, you know, at this bottom lower right corner of the shot, I think it'd be good if we just had a stack of toast. Can we do that? Can we just put a stack of toast there? Yeah. You don't remember the toast? No. Okay. <laughs> Hello there, welcome to a podcast, which is the Brisbane Dispatch. <laughs> I only like you and me. My name is Lonnie. What does that mean? I don't know, so I'm trying to be funny here. Oh, okay, sorry. Doesn't always make sense. All right. Comedy is in the heart okay. and the mind. Okay. And the soul. All right. How you doing? Fine, thanks. Can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the latest Wesley Anderson joint. Please. The French Dispatch. Full title of the Liberty Kansas Evening Sun. Great title. Great title. Great movie. Um, good movie. Good movie. Where's it rank for you? Let's do a ranking. Oh, of the okay, end. get I'll, me. I'll get get me the filmography. Here we go. There he is. Okay. I think Grand Budapest is still my favourite. It's got the clearest narrative for me. Mm-hmm. It's got his best character. Let's face it. It does. Which is Ray Fiennes' character, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mr. Budapest. Um, <laughs> I thought they'd enjoy that. Second would probably be Moonrise, maybe. Yeah. Then Rushmore. Then maybe Royal Tenenbaums. Then French Dispatch. Then, oh, God. Then Isle of Dogs. Then I haven't seen Bottle Rocket. Then Life Aquatic. Then Darjeeling. Then... Fantastic, Mr. Fox. Right. So back in the middle. Towards the top of the middle. Towards the top of the middle, yeah. Towards the top of the middle. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, I liked it. I, I'd probably agree. Yeah, Grand Budapest my fate is probably the best, his best. Mm-hmm. I think I probably like Moonrise Kingdom a little bit more, but it's like, you know, yeah. one verse two. It's really difficult to really find what's better there. Um, this one had some of the – it's an anthology film. If you didn't know that going in, which I didn't. Neither did I. Yes. And unfortunately, the way anthology films often go is that there's some really great moments and there are some moments that aren't as good. Yeah. And you kind of, you take the good and the bad. So there's three stories, right? Three individual stories and then an overarching story. So yeah. it takes place, which probably say, it takes place in the French town of Ennui, Sablasse, and it's a newspaper, the French Dispatch, that Bill Murray is the editor for. It's like the New Yorker, basically. Yeah. And the... The anthology stories in the film are articles that are being published in the upcoming issue of the magazine or newspaper, right? Mm -hmm. So there's three. There's one with 
No. Do we really count the cycling reporter? I mean, I guess it's like an does, introduction, basically. Does one day on set. Which was terrific. I love that. Great. One. Yeah. Listen, he's great. I really liked that. Some are just, there's like beautiful moments in there. Lots of Wes Anderson moments yes. in there. <laughs> yeah. The second one is, takes place in a prison. And it dragged for me. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, but is that because Leia Sadu was in this? No, nah, she's she's actually pretty good in this. Didn't I actually really liked her. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's like it's at a prison, but it's about an artist who's in prison, played by Vinicio del Toro, and didn't mind it. Mm-hmm. I think if it was like a short film by itself, you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. But compared to the other, like within this film, the stuff around it was way more interesting for me. And there were more stakes and excitement in the other two main stories, I thought. So this one is the first one. It took a longer time, I thought. When it got out of this and cut to the next one, I was like, oh, that's right, anthology. Okay, I see what we're doing here. Gee, uh, we're only going to have like two seconds for this one and I don't know how many more there are going to be. And there was just a little bit too much of Tilda Swinton by herself, just funny teeth and Here is, I'm just going to get into it now. One of my complaints of the film. So Wes, over the course of his career, has established a pretty solid rotating cast, right, that are in all of his films. And I think that's really cool because there's not really a director that does that. Not really, Should hey. check that before I make that mm. bold claim? There are some directors who have people that they like. Obviously, like Martin Scorsese has Leo and exactly and um, Robert De Niro and yeah. a little bit of that, but not to the same extent. Not to the same think. extent, right? And it's so cool. Two things. At what point does it become a checklist? Mm. Yep, Jason Schwartzman's in it. Liev Schreiber, Bill Murray, T- Saoirse Ronan, Tick to Dick, mm. Tony Revolori. Tony Revolori. Revolori. And does, does that take you out of the film? Mm. A little bit for me. Mm. I was like, yep, Jason Schwartzman's mm. there, cool. All these people are there, cool. And the problem is each film he adds new people to his cast, right? So we have... Jeffrey Wright was new, I believe. Jeffrey Wright, who's new. Elizabeth Moss, who's new. Um, Angelica Houston is narrating. She's, she's in been, a few. Yeah, yeah, she has. Uh, Willem Dafoe, newish. No, he was in Mind of an Elite. He was in Life Aquatic, but yeah. Sure. My point is. Too many. It gets to be too many. And what ends up happening is you underuse people like Saoirse Ronan, who's literally credited as showgirl number one, which I know is part of the joke. But. She literally had one line of dialogue and she was so great in Grand Budapest and maybe that's why he's not showcasing her because she was in something else. Although Adrian Brody was like a pretty main role and he has been before, so maybe that doesn't fit. But my point is like, I don't know, same as Tilda Swinton. Like She just has her little lecture that she's doing on the stage and with her fake teeth. She loves a pair of fake teeth, Tilda Swinton. And I just feel like you end up having these really great actors just say one line because, oh, they have to be in it because it's a Wes Anderson film. And it's not actually giving a great performance. That's my my bold claim. Right. Is it mainly because you love Saoirse Ronan? No, because I don't love Tilda Swinton, but I could recognise that her character was not used. And same with James Jason Schwartzman, but he also co-wrote this, so that was probably a choice. But I don't know. I just, like, you've got Christoph Waltz mm. doing nothing. Mm. He's better than that. <laughs> I see where you come from, but... You can't give them their due. Well, I feel like... It, there's certain esteem to be involved in a Wes Anderson film yes, these days. I agree. So they wouldn't do it for a no-name director, but they'll come in for one day. But where does it end, Lonnie? Where does it end? 
We're going to have everyone mm. in Hollywood being in a Wes Anderson film and the whole thing is going to be like Angelina Jolie says the, Leonardo DiCaprio says story, Adrian Brody says is, Sergio says about, <laughs> and they're doing that game where you like add a line to create the dialogue. The whole of Hollywood's going to be in these films and then what do we do? Yeah. Touching on some interesting star theory points here about people aren't as actors there, bring their star power, and it can sort of throw the balance off kilter if you've got a huge star in a small role. Mm -hmm. Because you're right, though, some of the like Shogun number one would normally be an up and coming actor or someone who's not a known quantity. Mm -hmm. So are you not being able to see her as an actor or are you seeing her as. I was seeing them all as them. It's part of the. I know, it's part of it. I understand that. (sighs) Anyway, back to the storylines. Yeah, we can. I did like seeing Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler, sorry. He's always great, isn't he? Yes, getting excited for Barry coming out next soon. Um, But that one, I think if if it was maybe half the length, I would have been okay with it, but it just felt like it went long forever. The next one, the next story in the anthology is probably my favourite. It's the Revisions to a Manifesto. Great name. Which is perfect. Francis McDormand, Timothy Chalamet, who knew they would be a great duo together on screen? Smouldering sexual tension. I am here for it. I am so here for it. I'm here for him being shy about his new muscles. I'm here for her being a writer typing on her little typewriter. In bed. In bed next to yeah. him. I. They were both wonderful. Mm. I thought they were so great. Mm. Did you I, like it? I, I really like that one. I think I like the second two probably equally, so okay. I'm not going to go. Mm-hmm. Over the top here, but I did really like it, and it was a nice addition. I love the music in this one, the mm. the thumping sort of guitar, mm-hmm. and it was it was kind of funny how they're having a revolution and it's that's having a battle, but it's a chess battle. Like that was yeah, that was cool. It was written for Timothy, apparently the role was it? Yeah, listen, and he was I, better used than other movies. Yes, I've been a bit of a naysayer about Timothy Chalamet. I like him; he's good. I'm just not on the hype train. Right, he's not attractive to me personally. He's not muscles. Fine. <laughs> like he was great in um, Greta Gerwig's Little Women, mm-hmm. but sometimes he, I think people just cast him because he's Timothy Chalamet and that's he's the in vogue actor to be casting right now, which is mm-hmm. fine. But he's actually perfect in this. Like he just does that sort of arrogant insecurity, which I know mm. sounds like an oxymoron, but he just traverses that line of like. Well, often people are arrogant because they're well, yeah, self-conscious exactly. about their abilities. Yeah. And Frances just play, she's, you know, one of the best actors we've ever seen. So mm. she's brilliant against him. Um, but small, it's funny though, don't it you is, think? It is really funny. And and it, what I liked about it is it, you know, starts at the end and takes us back to the beginning of the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, shows how evolutions can start from the simplest things. Yeah. One thing, I've noticed Wes talk about this before, noticed i've read his work before often he has um theatrical like stage plays within his films mm-hmm. i think at one stage he was like maybe, oh, I, should, yeah. maybe I should just make a play <laughs> i always seem to put in my movies but you think about it the bus bed section yeah i loved it but think about other movies there's a large section of rushmore is about dressing Swanson directing yeah. plays um the scene where the, the, two, the two kids meet in moonrise kingdom she's going on stage mm-hmm. for the first time like yep there's other ones examples i'm sure as well um, but yeah, that was a really nice, like you could actually see that being in a play, couldn't you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It was really great. And also I find it, so in between these stories, we cut back to like the offices of the French dispatch and Bill Murray's like talking with the writers. We heard her say, her charge the expenses for that trip, 
before we saw what the trip was, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. He's like adding them up and he's like, why do I have to pay for all this? And she's like, don't question my process sort of thing. Yeah. And I've, as I recall, like a lot that happening in this film and it's so quick, you got to watch it a few times to get all the nuances. Mm. But every other writer hands in their story and he comes in and makes revisions to yeah. them. I'm pretty sure for Francis McDormand, she just gives it to him. He just hands it. He just takes it. Which Probably, yeah. I kind of feel like, I don't know if I'm putting my own too much into this, but that's her, right? She comes on on set, does performance. You don't give her any notes because you can't. No. Well, famously, she doesn't wear makeup no. at all. And I was surprised to see her in makeup. And I reckon the only reason they mm. got her in it is because it's actually a story thing because of the yeah. tear gas of the revolution. Yeah. And they wanted that visual of the mascara running. Yeah. And I felt like, oh, I wouldn't have wanted to be on set that day. Wes was like, so Francis, you know she, how She'd you, do it for him. I know she would, but like, you can't, I, I would be terrified of her. You can't ask her anything. I'd just be standing there minding my own business and she'd be like, why are you looking at me like that? Yeah. And I'd be like, I don't know, I'm sorry. No. I'm really sorry. I'll go away. I feel like she gives that impression, but she's actually a sweetheart, I'm sure. But don't cross her. Don't cross her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love her. And that was a really sweet, the sweet moment in that was when, like, obviously she is getting back at the parents for trying to set her up, like, sleeping with the son. But then she realises that, oh, I could try and keep him around, but that's not what needs to be done. I'll, I'll be yeah. the bigger woman here and yeah, make sure, point out obvious fact that these two love each other. I'm not sure about the ending, but I guess it kind of fits that he would become a, a symbol, like a yeah. Shay sort of person. So it kind of makes sense. And the final story is your favourite, right, which is the private dining room of the police commissioner. It's it's probably, yes, probably just a touch, like a touch more than mm-hmm. the previous one. Um, mainly because I love Jeffrey Wright and his voice. He's great, isn't he? And I think, oh, I don't know, it's hard to pinpoint a favourite scene, but when he's walking through all the offices of the police station and narrating to us, yeah, that was all done. That was like, yeah, was all right, here's the Wes Anderson show, everybody. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't he terrific? Jeffrey or Wes? Jeffrey. Jeffrey, wonderful. Also Wes, but mainly yeah. generally Jeffrey in this sense. And it was a funny, it was a funny story too. It was probably the most... Like, if one thing Wes can do pretty well is write a caper, it very much felt like a caper to me. Define caper? Like a storyline where it's just like an adventure. Yes. And there's things going on and it's kind of not tongue-in-cheek, but there's a light touch to a you know interesting story, like a kidnapping story. Mm. Crime yeah. caper, you might say. It's kind of like a funny crime story, mm. kind of like this was. Quite a lot of animation in this one as well, 4 by 3 animation. Which yeah, it was great animation. So nice, yeah. There's a few moments actually throughout the whole film where... A lot of it's in black and white, but every now and then for an important scene we'll cut to colour. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah, it was in black mm. and white when we cut. Yeah, mm. I did notice that. Worked well, I thought. Yeah. Some films would not do that well. Just really interesting playing with techniques, right? Mm. Playing with film techniques and aspect mm-hmm. ratio and what colour you're going to yeah. shoot it in and it's composition. All... Like, he's a very technical director. Yes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And some people think that it's just all technical and not any emotion, but I think that is... People being a bit maybe bamboozled by a lot of the it's a lot happening all the time, let's face it. Yeah. We were talking to one of our friends who I won't name, um, and they said that Wes Anderson just isn't for them, they don't really get it. And we probably should have prefaced this with saying Bonnie and I like Wes Anderson films. Oh, this is, this is your first one, you'd be so confused. You'd be so lost about what he's you'd, trying to do. <laughs> you probably have to have been there. From the get-go, I'd we probably suggest see it. the style yeah, progressing. At least watching Rushmore to kind of mm. get it and then maybe Grand Budapest is probably his best film. Mm. Um, but I struggle with it sometimes. Like oh. there's really quick dialogue and like convoluted jokes like blink and you'll miss it, you'll miss something that happened that's quite funny mm. and sometimes it does make you feel like you're not smart enough. <laughs> um, but I feel like... That's why they're so good to rewatch because you get yeah. you pick up on things in the shot that you didn't the first time or you hear a line that you didn't quite catch the first time and yeah. I don't know I just yeah the, the charge is that it's all style though substance substance but I think if that's what you think you're wrong <laughs> fair enough there's lots of substance to it and then after that story we go back to the office of the French Dispatch and um, Bill Murray's death as the editor and they all write an obituary to honor him. For me, that stuff at the French Dispatch was my favourite stuff because it was writing, it was working in a newspaper and dealing with writers and talking about grammar issues Mm. and I'm a huge nerd for all that stuff. So um, that was more interesting to me and I kind of would have wanted a film just about that. But I understand that that's not the film he was making and that's totally fine. Fair enough. Uh, Question for you. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the end of the the dining room scene mm-hmm. story. They talked about how when the chef was poisoned, he had a new taste he oh, never tasted before. It was beautiful. I thought that was a brilliant moment. Also, just before that, I'll give that question in a second. Before that, when uh, Roebuck Wright, who's played by Jeffrey Wright, talked about how much he loved food, it was because when you're a lonely solo traveller, there's always food, mm-hmm. there's always a place to eat. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like, I guess that's his love letter, especially as well because he's um, gay in a time when that was not accepted. That's a really nice moment. My question is, mm-hmm. do you think that should have been in the story or not? Because Bill Murray and Jeffrey had a disagreement about whether that was the whole point of the story or not. I don't think you should have cut the bit that he cut. Okay. Like any writer, why would you cut that beautiful line about the chef saying, I've got a new flavour? Well, it's interesting because Jeffrey Wright says, made him too sad. I know. Is that enough reason to cut something? No. Really yeah. <laughs> it should make you sad. There's that whole thing, if you don't mm. cry while writing your own writing, no one else is going to cry mm. when they're reading it. It's the best part. What are you mm. doing? <laughs> Maybe that's a, you know, a nod to how sometimes writers can't see their best part. If Perhaps, yeah. He was there too close to it. But, yeah, I, and that's also like the story was over. It was a mad capped adventure. Mm. The little boy got back, all the baddies got killed. Mm-hmm. You didn't need to have a scene where 
the beautiful moment where he talks about how he the first time he's tasted something new was when he was being poisoned and almost died. Yeah. It was a beautiful moment, I thought. I thought it was beautiful, yeah. How's this going to rate on the awards circuit, which is coming up, maybe even happening by the time this podcast goes out into the world? Yeah, not sure. I reckon screenplay, perhaps. Yeah, maybe I... best the best picture they, they give it out everybody these days, a norm. Well, yeah. Maybe. Depending on the competition. A lot of Hollywood is still quite conservative, and I'm not sure Wes resonates with them, mm. perhaps. Yeah, Budapest done pretty well. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't think any actor, maybe Francis might, because she's, you know, a frequent flyer. Yeah. Maybe Timothy. I don't know. I feel like maybe not everyone, no one had a real standout role. I think because it's an ensemble cast, yeah. it's hard to nominate a best. I mean, I'd give it to okay. Jeffrey, but that's just me. <laughs> I just wanted to say, like, for some time, at some point in this film, I struggled with the different storylines and there was a lot going on and everything, but there's a lot of beautiful dialogue, like little lines, and I was mm. like, oh, that's so beautifully written. Mm-hmm. And. I just love watching his films. Like they're so visually engaging and I feel like if you're a photographer or an artist, Mm. you could literally pause any frame of this film and it's beautifully composed. It's like a painting. I just had a thought. That's totally right. You could watch these films without the sound on and still appreciate the visuals. But you could also probably just listen to the dialogue and the music. Exactly. Yeah, you should Because it sort of sings along and... Yeah. And I think perhaps that's Mm. what you're saying, like it's an assault of the senses. I think that's why I get a lot out of rewatching them because yeah. I will have been looking at something instead of not listening or listening and not really yeah. taking in the visuals. Um, I've seen Grand Budapest probably three or four times. There's still new things I yeah. still, still don't appreciate. It's still like a treasure trove that you get mm. to like discover, which I love. And like, like, shouldn't we have filmmakers who make distinctive films? He's have a style for sure an auteur. Like no one mm. is, no one is doing anything like this. Yeah, ever. <laughs> like not in Hollywood at the moment. Mm. Um, like the opening shot of the waiter carrying drinks, but then it's it's cut so that he appears in different windows instantaneously, and it. it's just so oh, it's so great. It's so, and I love the like practical stuff. Mm. Like I think it was in Owen Wilson's bit where he's the cyclist and he's talking about the town, and you've got a drain in the front, and the drain's mm. actually releasing water, and then people are coming out and they're actually shaving, and yeah. he's playing with like perspective. Some people are closer to the camera mm-hmm. than others. Um, and a, a lot of it's like practically done. Like they've rigged water to go through that drain. It's not CGI. It's they're on a set, and yeah. there's a bit where he's riding and he's very definitely on a soundstage and he's holding the mail truck. You, but know? you never hate it. That's part right. of it. That's part yeah. of it, though. It's part of the stylization. It's part of what he does as a director. We recently watched or recently showed Sine the Snyder Cut because she wasn't going to watch it any other way. <sighs> And we're both questioning why it was shot in 4x3. There's a, there's a, I don't know, is this on the actual film or is it just on binge for us? Not sure. Who knows? There's a title card that says, uh, this film has been shown in 4x3 to preserve the director's vision, which is like the wankiest thing. And it's about Zack Snyder, who I'm not a huge fan of. I, I think that's there so people didn't realise, didn't I, complain to binge. Like, why is I this get not, that. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if yeah. anyone has earned a 4x3 for the vision because he has a particular style that could be enhanced by that, it is Wes Anderson. Yes. Do you think, would you want to watch a Wes Anderson film that's, like, not so stylized? Like it's just a rom-com or something? I'd like to watch a hybrid, I think. Yeah? But I don't know if he's ever going to do that. No, I'm not happy for him to do his own thing because totally. everyone else makes it. Regular movies. Let's have some weird ones. You but it'd know. be nice to have like 
a rom-com with a bit of Wes or Wes doing, like him doing an action film would be quite interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I have one, I was going to say complaint. It's not really a complaint. I'd like to bring something up for discussion. A quibble, perhaps. So there are two French actresses. There are lots of people in this film. There are two main French actresses in this film. Mm. Leia Sadu, who you mentioned, and Lena Kudry, who's in Revisions to Manifesto and is Timothy Chalamet's love interest. Mm. Both of them are naked in the film. One of them's topless, Leia does full nudity. Here's my question. We've also watched Emily in Paris season two recently, which a review will be coming, don't you worry. And... The French actresses in that also got topless. And here's my question. Do we say, oh, the French love getting their kid off, they'll take their kid off for anything? Or do we expect them to get naked because they are French and because Mm -hmm. we have that prejudice against them that we think that they're fine with nudity so then they have to be fine with nudity? Do you know what I mean, though? Like, why why are they naked in the film and no one else? Lily Collins doesn't take her top off. Billy Collins in a Wes Anderson film would be cool. That would be cool, yeah. Yes. I know what you mean, though. It doesn't... Like... It, it kind of... It... I also don't think you need it. And... Yeah. Yes. It, it left a bit of a weird taste in my mouth, too. And it, it is a bit odd that it's the two French... Like, Lena didn't okay. need to be topless. You could have shot that shoulders up and had the same impression. They were in bed or had the sheet around her. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not a prude. I don't, like, hate nudity in films, right? My thing is, like... Why does it always have to be the women who are the ones? Always the women. It can feel exploitative. Not necessarily in this film, but over time. Well, I had a hint of that. I was like, why? Yeah, no, I don't no, know. absolutely. I just looking at the totality of film history is what I'm talking about. It's like always the, the women who are doing that. So, like, on the one hand, yes, people do have sex and they are topless when they do that. But I guess you could say Timothy was naked in the thing, but it's not the same quite, is it? Yeah. The thing with Leia Sadu felt very male gazy, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think it was meant to be like that because Benicio was painting her. And so it was sort of mm. his perspective of how he saw her. That said, you could have shot her from you shot her from behind. behind or Just so we, the, did we yeah. need full frontal nudity Didn't really from the French much. actress when none of the other actresses get their kid off? I just, I don't know. It doesn't, yeah. It yeah. doesn't feel good that's to a, me. That's one thing to me that I, a bit like Lucas Peach, we had a few things where like, just take one or two things out, and that would have been a, been much better. Yeah. Take those one or two things out. It didn't make or break the film. No. So take it out. Not at all. Me. And I just, I don't know. I was going to mention, mm. luckily, that family who came in halfway through the film didn't come in oh during that. Oh, my God. So about an hour into the film, there was a woman, and I think her mum, so grandma and, like, three kids came in, and I just knew. I was like, this isn't your cinema. A, we've been sitting here for an hour. Be, there is no way you're taking three little kids to see a Wes Anderson film. I mean, maybe you are. Maybe we would do that. <laughs> but not halfway through. Not halfway through. They didn't even look at the screen to see if they're in the right... Obviously, they were not in the right cinema. Mm. And then there was a big explosion and they're like, oh, this can't be right. And then they walked out. And it's like, <sighs> guys. So weird. I felt like like we all knew like we could have said something, but also you don't want to assume. And also well, then you're having happening. a whole conversation and then you're not watching the movie and yeah. then you're distracting other people. And it's funny because we joked as we walked up to the cinema and we showed our tickets to the usher and they like always tell us three doors up to the left. I'm like, yeah, cinema right. They've obviously. got a massive like hallway. A They're on either side yeah. of the hallway. It's clearly coloured numbers, clearly signed, bright colours. 
we were like, thanks. I don't know if I would have been able to find Cinema 8 by all the Cinema 8 signs. That said. That said. <laughs> these guys did But it. also at Hoyt's, I know, at least the one here in Brisbane, they actually have a little screen at the front saying the yes, movie title. Yes, that's true. Which is yeah. helpful because I've often thought that, like, obviously I know where I'm going, but it wouldn't take that. You look at, think it's an eight, it's actually a six or something like it. I reckon that's happen. what they did. Yeah. But don't you stop? Don't you look and, like, if you're late and the movie's already, already playing, you're like, oh, yeah, that's that. Not, I recognise yeah. Adrian Brody and that's, mm. I know he's in this film. Like, I don't know. Anyway. The film was quite long. We said that. But it's quite long. What would you have cut? If you could cut anything, the nudity. First story. The first story, the whole first story. And it only had two stories. Yeah. What about what a better story. A better story. <laughs> okay. No, I wouldn't have necessarily cut it, but it, that's probably the one if we ever bought this, I'd probably, I wouldn't skip through it, but I would skip through it. <laughs> no, I wouldn't necessarily do that. But that was the one that just went a little bit too long mm-hmm. and wasn't quite as interesting, didn't quite have the... Same narrative thrust to it. No. What about you? The last one's a bit long too. But yeah. at least it's fine. It's my thing. I'd probably cut a bit from the f- I'd probably cut a bit from all of them, to be honest. I'd try and trim them a little. Mm. Um But that said, Wes Anderson's probably got the right to make his films. He so. can do whatever he wants, basically. Mm. Could be Anderson Battle at the Oscars this year. What do you mean? Paul Thomas Anderson, Wes Anderson. Oh. Could be. Paul W.S. Anderson, who makes those Resident Evil movies, might be coming in with the Dark Horse right in the last minute. Do you reckon he'll be nominated? <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen them. Maybe they're great, but... <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. All right, what are you going to rate this? Oh, bloody hell. Four stars, I reckon. That was quick. You got surprised, but then you had a rating ready to go. Um, I'm going to give it 3.9. Okay. Four just seems a little high. Okay. And I didn't like the female nudity. It was very long. Hmm. But it was very good. Oh, that feels low. Maybe no. 4.1. Okay. <laughs> Just say 4. No, 4.1. For the difference. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's got a 75 on Rotten Tomatoes, which obviously, yeah. you know, that's indication, not necessarily to be on a end all. But, yeah, as I was saying, it's pretty much most most enjoyed by fans of Wes Anderson's yeah. films. I think is... if, if you know and like and get Wes Anderson, you'll like it. But if you're not, mm. he, he's weird. Like, it's a weird... It also might depend um, how much you love New Yorker and appreciate that sort of style. Like if you're into that. See, I didn't draw concept. the New Yorker connection though. Also, they're not in the offices for that long, so I don't. If you hate it, it's over quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think more if you have a, a love and appreciation of that style of yeah. 20th century journalism. Yes, might, fair enough. You're really going to be into it. So yeah. yeah. All right. We're on Twitter. We are. Anything else you want to say? Um. No, it just makes me want to watch Grand Budapest. But... There you go. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. Get in touch on Twitter. We'll be back soon with another podcast. See you then. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.